somebody's home and ask the lady to play a piece on the piano. And, she, and she'd say, I'm sorry, but she is out of tune. Why she wouldn't do that, she'd say, it's out of tune. And he doesn't refer to persons as it. He refers to persons as it with a personal pronoun. We all know that. Those pronouns stand for nouns. When you find a personal pronoun, it stands for a noun. And some noun is an antecedent. Whether stated or not, it may be understood. But there's an antecedent of that. Now I'm going to give you that in reference to the Holy Spirit to Jesus. I'm going to read to you now where in uh, John 14, 17, Jesus said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another comforter, even the Spirit of truth, which will abide with you forever. Cut out the lights, will you please? He'll abide with you forever. Now there he is. And I will pray the Father. I is the first person singular. I went over that time and again last night. I, the first person singer, will pray. Pray is a transitive verb. Father is the object of the verb. And he shall give you another. The adjective another makes it impossible to be the one they had. And my very worthy opponent tonight said the one they had was Jesus. Well, Jesus said, I'll pray the Father and he'll give you another one. Now you want something on the Godhead, sir? There it is, right there. Just look straight at it. Read it. Copy it down on your cuff and take it home with you. That's the Bible. That's not what I say. That's what God says. And gee, yes, it sounds better. It's the truth. It's the fact. It's better than anything you heard tonight. And you've got it there. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. And my most worthy opponent said the one he had at that time was Jesus. The debate immediately follows. It unto you but him. There are your personal pronouns. I'll send him unto you. Let's have the lights, please. And when he has come, he'll reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. I have yet many other things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it when he, not it, but when he, the spirit of truth is come, he'll bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said unto you. I know I'd be afraid to death, I'm afraid you wouldn't. You can have but a you put it down and ask, do you know what a personal pronoun is? Do you know that it refers to a person? Do you know that? That's your eye. <laughs> do you know that? Do you know that a personal pronoun refers to a person? And when he has come, who is he? What need you talk about? You've already said that Jesus was the comforter of them, but Jesus said, I'll give you another one. Now, you know what the word another means? Say it. Just say yes or no. Do you know? Of course he knows, but he knows his doctrine won't stand it. If he were to tell you, it would shoot his doctrine full of holes, because another does not fit his doctrine. Now, there are your persons, just as plain as you can get they want something else on the Godhead, so John, 1 John 5 and 7. And there John said, there are three that bear record in heaven. It doesn't make any difference to me what Pelubit says. The Bible says three, and I'm willing to take the Bible. And I'll put St. John up against Pelubit any day in the world if you want it. There it is right there. Now let him flash Pelubit up there by the side of him. You want to do that? Put Pelubit up there. All right, so there are three. How many does it take to make three? Listen over here to me. Look up here. How many are three? Say, tell me. How many are three? You see that over there? That says three. You know who said that? That wasn't Pelubit. That was John, the apostle. And he said, there are three that bear record in heaven. Who are the three, John? 
by the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. That's good for them to say that because that's the truth. Now Jesus said, If you folks just knew it, you're not worrying me nor intimidating me. You just keep on. I'm enjoying this and I'll just let the people in this city see how you act. This isn't the Church of Christ. Just go right ahead. Go right ahead and do that. All right, these three are one. Lord, how are they one? John 17, 20. Jesus said, Father, neither pray I for these alone, but for all them which shall believe on me through thy word, that they all may be one. As thou art Father in me and I in thee, that they may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory thou gavest me I have given unto them, that they may be one, even as we are one. That's the truth, yes. Yes, amen, that's the fact. They're going to be one even if we are one. Now, according to his doctrine, all the Christian people in the world have to be one great big man. When I was a little boy, I read a story something like this. If all the trees in the world were one tree, and all the oceans in the world were one ocean, and all the men in the world were one man, and all the axes in the world were one axe, and that one big man took that one big axe and cut down that one big tree, and it fell into that one big ocean, what a great splash that would be. Now then, there's exactly it right there. They're all one as we're one, but we're not all one great big person. Why, Jesus Christ said that a man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they'll both be one flesh. How is that? Explain that when you get up here. Do you think they just get to be one great big personality? Now that's his doctrine. Let's have the lights, will you please? So you see how easy it is to meet that. The name that thou hast given me. Yes, God gave Jesus a name, but he's had him up here with several names. Now which one you mean? Why well, he got up there and read Isaiah 9, 6 again. There's about five in that. Isaiah said unto us a son is, uh, is given, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulders. His name shall be Wonderful One, Counselor Two, Mighty God Three, Everlasting Father Four, and Prince of Peace Five. Now, which one are you going to take? You want that Prince of Five? And you say one. Why, well, he had one verse that had five names in it. And yet he said that Toddy says so-and-so. Well, under the Jewish law, every leader was a father. That's the reason the Jews spoke of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as fathers. Father Abraham, Father Isaac, and Father Jacob, and Jesus was a leader. And thus the Jews referred to him as a father. But I must hasten on and get the rest of it answered. I think I've got everything now that he has given us. We've answered it tonight and given you that to show you how absurd that his teaching is. If there's anything you know I haven't answered, tell me. I'll answer it. I'll just answer anything in the world up to 10 questions he can ask. Did he ask me that? Oh, yes, that is. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, yeah you better stop. He's going to get you in trouble. Listen, who is Jesus' father? Now, he said the way I had that, it was a peculiar, a peculiar way. Well, now, let me tell you, he said that I had him with two fathers, and that'd be a peculiarity, but it wouldn't be any more peculiar than did having his own father. Did you ever hear of that? You say he's his own father. Is that peculiar? It may not be peculiar, but it's downright nonsensical to talk about it. Why, Jesus Christ is not his own father, no. And then he said that polluted over there, was a Christian scholar. 
The Lubit believes there's three in the Godhead. Do you take him into the church on that? Would you turn down a good Christian scholar? Will you take him into the church where you preach? Would you have the Lubit poke him out of the place? You think he's a Christian scholar? You were trying to soft soap these people then. He believes there's three in the Godhead just like I do. Will you take him into the city called the church? Would you, Mr. Potter? have to be born if you put this in your way. Well, you wouldn't have it if you believe in three if you born a thousand times later. That is not the same thing. <laughs> Oh, he wouldn't hate him, and yet he'll get up here and tell you people he's a good Christian scholar. You know why he said that? He was wanting to sell him to you to try to make you believe he was a great man and that he just demolished Toddy, and he believes the same thing I do about it. Now, tell me. Thank you. So we see then how that goes, that it wasn't that, uh, the way he told it. Now then, let's go on a little bit with a little more negative argument. I want to give you the baptism of Jesus. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, turn the lights out, please. Jesus there was in the water baptized. There was the voice in heaven. Here is the Son of God in the water. And there's the dove. The Spirit in the form of a dove. A voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Last night he said the sun was the flesh. Let's have the lights now. He said the sun was the flesh. All right. Then he said that the sun died. I want to quote to you and I want him to notice it. In Matthew 25, 31, there Jesus said, When the Son of Man shall come in his glory, all the holy angels with him then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory, and all nations will be gathered together and he'll separate them as a shepherd that separates the sheep from the goat. That's the sun. Is that the flesh? Look up here. Is that the flesh? It's Matthew 25, 31, the flesh. It's the sun. You said the sun back. You said the sun was the flesh. You said the sun made your life peace with the humanity. But the sun is the one that set up on the throne of his glory and all the angels go. Is that the flesh? Did you mean to say yes? Did you? He just does, he's like the little boy that the cat kicked him in the mouth. He ran into the house and his mother washed his mouth off and said, Son, what did you say? He said, Nothing. There isn't anything fit to say. And he doesn't have anything fit to say. He's got the sun, the flesh. That's all there was to the sun. He was humanity. And yet the Son's going to set up on the throne of His glory. That's Matthew 25, 31, in case somebody doesn't know where it is. The Son of Man shall set up on the throne of His glory. And then He went to John 1. And He said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He used the Greek Logos. In the beginning was the Logos. Yes, that was the Word. It was a capital. He said, That's a matter of opinion. No, it isn't. It isn't a matter of opinion because you go down to the 14th verse and it tells what the Word was. And the Word was made flesh. No, it isn't a matter of opinion, Mr. McGee. And the Word was made flesh and well among us. That was in the beginning with God. Was it God? Yes. But it wasn't the whole Godhead. I'm going to give you a verse now in Matthew 20, or Matthew 12, 31. There Jesus said, All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto man except the blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. And he that speaks the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven unto him. But hear it, he that speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven unto him in this world, neither in the world to come. Does that sound like to the same one? He that speaks the word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But he that speaketh the word against the Holy Ghost, it shall not be forgiven him in this world, neither in the world of come. You understand that? Yes, sir. I hadn't, I wouldn't have read it. Now we come to Mark, the 13th chapter in the last verse. And there Jesus talking about a day. He said, And the day and the hour knoweth no man, neither the Son, but the Father. There's something the Father knew that the Son didn't know. And yet he says of the same one. Look up here, Mr. McGee. 
How is it that a man can know something he doesn't know? You know that? Look at me, I'll look at you. How is that? How is it? And yet he would have you people think it's all one. All of them in the same person. No, my friends. In the ninth chapter of Colossians 2, and he is the, in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. Of the Godhead modifies fullness. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead. In Matthew 28 and 18, Jesus Christ said, All authority hath been given unto me. Who gave it to him, Mr. McGee? You can't have a gift without two persons. Now, how much time to have? Thank you. Honorable opponent. Ladies and gentlemen. Mr. Toddy. Before this, Great congregation, I hereby accept your challenge to debate this self-same proposition unaltered in the city of Indianapolis, that Jesus Christ is the supreme deity, myself affirming and yourself denying. Accepted, sir. Mr. Totty opened up with saying, I deny that Elohim was plural. He'll know better when he listens to the tape recording. I acknowledge that Elohim is plural. Plural of what? Not plural of persons. And I give several excellent reasons why. It could not be plural of persons. It's the plural of majesty. I do not deny that Elohim is plural. I know it is the plural of majesty or the excellent plural as grammarians call it. Now then, in Zechariah 12 and verse 10, I read that Elohim was to be pierced. Elohim, which he says is three persons was to be pierced. In Zechariah 11 verses 4 through 13, I read that Elohim was to be betrayed and sold for 30 pieces of silver. Elohim, he says, is three persons. In Zechariah 14 verse 5, I read that Elohim is returning again. Does Mr. Totty imagine that three persons were pierced or crucified? Does Mr. Totty imagine that three persons were betrayed for 30 pieces of silver? And does Mr. Totty imagine that three persons are coming back again? I wouldn't think so. One person was pierced. One person was betrayed. One person is coming back again. And that one person is Jesus. And the Bible, he terms him Elohim. Now we heard a lot, almost 10 minutes worth, about little David. Personally tonight, I don't know little David. I've never had the honor of meeting him. Can I say without any disrespect whatsoever to little David, that I am tonight not interested in little David. I am interested in great David's greater son. Now then, I have a number of questions from Mr. Totten. To whom was Christ praying when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Would he kindly tell us? Will he have the effrontery to tell us that divine person number two, God number two, prayed to God number one. 
Why does a man pray when he needs help? Isn't that right? What help could divine person number one give to divine person number two if they're co-equal? Couldn't divine person number two help himself? Mr. Totten has the curious spectacle of one God praying to another God. When one God prays to another God, he ungods himself. <laughs> Jesus from the dead, he wants to know. Really want to know? You want to know who raised Jesus from the dead? John 2 and 19, Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Jesus at the right hand of God. Eh? Well, since that was mentioned last night, and since it's mentioned again tonight, obviously Mr. Totty imagines that somehow or other this is something we are trying to evade. Mr. Totty, let me tell you something tonight. My only serious opponent here tonight is the clock. All right, let's read about it. The right hand of God, what does it mean? Acts 7 and 56. And he, that is Stephen, said, Behold, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. The dying martyr says, I see heaven open. Or the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing in the right hand of God. I ask Mr. Totty tonight, how many did Stephen see? When he looked up into the open heavens and said, I see the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. How many did he see? I'll give my answer. He saw one. And for this reason, John 1.18 says, no man, and that includes Stephen, no man hath seen God at any time. And that includes the time of Stephen's stoning and martyrdom. In 1 Timothy 6 verse 16 I read that our God is such that no man hath seen him, nor can see him. The Old Testament saints, when they claimed to see God, of course we know they saw or witnessed theophanies. Mr. Totty, I hope, knows about that. Now, there's a reason why no man hath seen God at any time. There's a reason why no man hath seen God nor can see God. And here it is. Colossians 1 and 15 talks about the invisible God. 1 Timothy 1.17 talks about the king who is invisible. Hebrews 11 and 27 talks about him who is invisible and whom Moses couldn't see with the naked eye. Three times we are told that God is invisible. That's why no man hath seen God at any time nor can see God. Will Mr. Totty tell us? that Stephen looked up into heaven and saw something invisible? I think I told some of you folk about a visit of mine to a certain cave in the state of Colorado. The guide was taking us through the cave. He was a very witty fellow and I enjoyed his humor. The guide said to us as a party, ladies and gentlemen, on my right hand side there's a little spring well. I didn't pay much attention to that. Then the guide said, and in the spring well, there are several invisible fish. And a number of us ran over and looked into the well until we realized that we had been well and truly sucked in. Imagine the spectacle of an Irishman trying to see an invisible fish. You can't see an invisible fish, no more can you see an invisible God.
How many did Stephen see? One! God is to his essence is invisible. Then what does it mean? He saw the Son of Man at the right hand of God. What does the Bible mean by the expression the right hand of God? nothing literal about it. Exodus 15 and 6, after God had scooped the waters of the Red Sea upon the flower of Egypt and drowned Pharaoh and his hosts, Moses and the Israelites on the safe side of the Red Sea took up a song. Exodus 15 and verse 6, listen to what they sing. Thy right hand, O Jehovah, is become glorious in power. Thy right hand, O Jehovah, have dashed in pieces the enemy. What did those Israelites see that day? They saw the waters falling in upon the Egyptians by the power of God. That's what they saw. But they described it as the right hand of God. In other words, what they saw was a manifestation of divine power and glory. And they described that as the right hand of God. Stephen looked up into heaven and saw Jesus at the right hand of God in the place of power and in the place of glory. And the Jews well understood what he meant if Mr. Totty doesn't. They couldn't stand what to them was blasphemy. They stopped their ears, they gnashed their teeth, and they stoned that man to death. As that man, Stephen, was sinking down in death, listen to him, Acts 7:59. Stephen is seen to be calling upon God. Listen to him. They stoned Stephen, calling upon God. Listen. Stephen calls upon his God, and now he names his God. They stone Stephen, calling upon God, and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. As far as Stephen was concerned, Jesus was God. Convinced he was God even after having seen that vision. He didn't see Jesus alongside of another. He saw Jesus in the place of glorious power and majesty. My friend, Mr. Totty, says, what name? We make a lot about the name. What name? Is it wonderful? Is it counselor? Is it mighty God? Is it everlasting father? Is it prince of peace? There's five of them. He said, is that the name? No, Mr. Totty. The name is revealed in Philippians 2 and 10. Here it is. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Then he talks about the blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. He says, and the Bible says so as far as that's concerned, that blasphemy against the Holy Ghost will not be forgiven. And that's so. Then he adds, blasphemy against the Son will be forgiven. Then he asks, does that sound like the Spirit and the Son are the same? The one. I ask him a question. Does that sound like the Spirit and the Son are co-equal? If the Spirit and the Son are co-equal, as he says, then blasphemy against the Son would be equally unpardonable as blasphemy against the Holy Ghost. Mr. Toddy, these questions of yours are like boomerangs. <laughs> They'll come back and hit the one who threw them. Then he says, the Son doesn't know the time of the coming, and sure enough, we can read that in the Bible. But he says, the Father knows the time of the coming. Does that look like the Father and the Son are one? I turn it back on him and ask him this. Does that look like the Father and the Son are co-equal? His second proposition. He said the Father and the Son are co-equal. Yet here we're confronted with the Father knowing something the Son does not know. Proving they're not equal in knowledge. He comes to John 4.
on the word and another. Let's look at John 14. John 14, 16, 18. Let's read it again. Only we'll add another verse which was conspicuous by its absence on the screen. It's not there. You see it's not there. That screen misses more than it hits. He's against mechanical music. I'm against mechanical debates. John 14, 16, 18. Jesus says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. A great to-do was made about the... Jesus says, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. A great to-do was made about the word another. My friend, all you've got to do is keep reading. Verse 18. I will not leave you comfortless as Jesus. I will come to you. Now I ask you, do you know the meaning of a pronoun? A personal pronoun. If Jesus didn't promise to come as the comforter, you tell us what it's all about. Last night there was a lot of talk about the two witnesses from John chapter 8. John chapter 8. Oh, God help us. Imagine anybody trying to prove from John chapter 8 of all places that Jesus is not supreme deity. Do you know what Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse 58? He said, before Abraham was, I am. That has been unanswered now. Perhaps Mr. Toddy will try to answer it when he takes the floor. In verse 12 of the same chapter, John chapter 8, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world, says Jesus. I am the light of the world. Psalm 27 and verse 1 says, Jehovah is my light. Jesus knew that the old Bible says, Jehovah is my light. But he didn't hesitate to say, I am the light of the world. In Isaiah 60 and verse 19 I read, The sun shall be no more thy light by day, neither for brightness shall the moon give light unto thee, but Jehovah shall be unto thee an everlasting light, and the Lord thy glory. Verse 20, Jehovah shall be thine everlasting light. The Bible plainly reveals that Jehovah Elohim is the light Yet Jesus in John it said, I am the light. Not we are the light. I am the light. If three persons constitute the light, what does Jesus mean saying I in the singular number am the light? Is Jesus a title stealer? By no means. He is the I am. And he is the light. All right, <laughs> in that very chapter, which in the most forceful language declares the supreme deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, he tries to find evidence to downgrade Jesus and make him an equal with two other supposed gods. Verse 16, and yet if I judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone. What did Jesus mean when he said, I am not alone? He meant that he was God and man. They saw him as a man. They were in danger of believing that that's all there's to him a man but Jesus was more than a man he was God and man and so he could say I that is as a man am not alone as we read in Zechariah 13 and 7 the man not the divine person but the man that is my fellow or my associate says Jehovah of hosts get this in Christ, Jehovah God, that is deity, and man, 
the flesh associated. In Christ there was Jehovah, and the man was his fellow, and his fellow was a man, not another divine person. The Apostle Paul meditated upon this great wonder, and in 1 Timothy 3.16, he was compelled to exclaim, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifested in the flesh. And so Jesus could say, as a man, I am not alone. Yet if I judge pushes verse 17 too far, I remind him it says two men. If he overworks verse 17, I repeat, it says two men. Now will he say that not only was the Son a man, but the Father was a man. We dare him to say two men. We dare him to say two persons because Jesus didn't say two persons. If he says two witnesses, then we agree for the word two witnesses according to Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto, unto the Father by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. Witness number one, the Father and the prophets. Witness number two, the Son himself. Two witnesses, but not two men, neither two persons. We turn to the second epistle of Corinthians. Corinthians, the second epistle, and the twelfth verse, the thirteenth verse. The Apostle Paul quotes this very verse that Jesus quotes. In your law, at least he uses the verse that Jesus uses. In your law, it says the testimony of two men is true. Now in the 13th chapter of 2 Corinthians, the first verse, this is the third time, says Paul, I am coming to you. He visited the Corinthians once. The same Paul visited the Corinthians again. And now he was preparing to visit them a third time. This is the third time that I am coming to you, says Paul to the Corinthians. In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established. I told you before, and foretell you as if I were present, or as when I was present the second time, and being absent now, I write. The apostle, the apostle, says to the Corinthians, I visited you once, twice, I'm coming a third time, and in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word will be established, using this very verse that Jesus used. Think of it. One person, Paul, making three visits to the same church, and using this verse in the mouth of two or three witnesses, shall every word be established. There's food for thought. Paul was not two persons, nor three persons. He was one person and one person only. Mr. Totty gave us chart number eight, John 5 and 37. This is how it reads. And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. And, says the Son, the Father himself which hath sent me, hath borne witness of me. Now Mr. Totty said it last night, and I quote his exact words, and, A-N-D, is the coordinate conjunction, and it means plus. And is the coordinate conjunction, and it means plus. Thus, he says, Christ and the Father are two persons. Because John 5.37 says, And the Father himself which hath sent me hath borne witness of me. It's the little word and, he says, which means plus. All right, let's test it. Colossians 2 and 2, second half of the verse. The apostles talking about the mystery of God. There's number one. If we're going to start to count, He's found three gods by his peculiar method in the Bible. Let's see how many I can find using the same strange method. Colossians 2 verse 2, the mystery of God. Number one, 
and which he says is a coordinate conjunction, meaning plus, and of the Father. Now there's two. And, that's the coordinate conjunction, meaning plus, and of Christ. There's three. God and the Father and Christ. There's three, and we haven't even mentioned the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost would make four, and for good measure, in Revelation 4 and 5, we read about the seven spirits of God. That makes eleven. Start counting that way, and you can multiply your gods very quickly. Chart number 10 of Mr. Toddy's, Genesis 3:22. The Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us, one of us, to know good and evil. Us, says Tati, is the Trinity. Well, who were they us? What's the truth? God said, The man has become as one of us. Who were they us? Well, the us, obviously, are those who were present. If I say us tonight, I mean those who are present. And so when God said, the man has become as one of us, and he meant those who were present. Who were present? Verse 24 tells you the cherubim. The cherubim. A certain rank of angels. When Adam fell, God said, man has become as one of us. Like Jehovah and the angels. In what respect? Inasmuch as he now knew good and evil. The angels knew good and evil. The cherubim knew good and evil before Adam did. While Adam was innocent, he wasn't like the angels or Jehovah inasmuch as he did not know good and evil. Once he failed, God could say to the cherubim, the man has become as one of us. The same is repeated in Isaiah 6, 1 to 8. Isaiah 6, verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, says the prophet, I saw Jehovah. If you make a note of John 12 and 40, John 12 and 41, you'll read this. These things said Isaiah when he saw his, Christ's glory, and spoke of him, Jesus. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also Jehovah, says the prophet. He saw Jesus. Verse 2, above it, that's Jehovah's throne, stood the seraphims, again the angels. All right, present in the temple that day were Jehovah and his angels. Now verse 8, also I heard the voice of the Lord, that is Jehovah saying, whom shall I send? Singular number. Jehovah speaking of himself in the singular number. Jehovah says, Whom shall I send and who shall go for us? Referring to the angels. Because as Peter said, angels desire to look into this matter. Us. Mr. Totty, in these passages, refer, if you please, not to the Trinity, but to God and to the angels. Now, would you please, without fail, answer me something which I have been waiting and which no doubt a considerable number in this congregation have been waiting to hear. I've mentioned it three times in this debate. Revelation 1 and verse 8. Jesus said, I am, not we are, but I am the Almighty. Touch on that, Mr. Totty. Tell us how Jesus can be the Almighty and still, according to you, only be a co-equal member of an alleged heavenly trinity. Jesus said, I am the Almighty. John 8 and 56, Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. I would like to hear those clear declarations which are clear beyond equivocation or ambiguity. I'd like to hear and see them met.
explain to me how Jesus can simply be a co-equal person in a trinity, co-equal with two others between the three of them, sharing infinity, eternality, and power. Explain to me how that can be, and yet that same Jesus can say, I am the Almighty. Sounds to me like Jesus believed he was the fullness of the Godhead. Sounds to me like Jesus believed he was the Father, and he was the Son, and he was the Holy Ghost. If he wasn't fully and supremely God, explain to us how he could make such a tremendous and such a sweeping claim and declaration. I am the Almighty. Before Abraham was, I am. Here's another question which Mr. Cotty has scrupulously avoided. I don't blame him. If I were in his shoes, I too would avoid such difficult verses. Let me tell you something. In Bible study, make this a rule. To understand the obscure passages of Scripture in the light of the clearer passages. There may be passages in the Bible you don't fully understand about this Godhead. But here I'm quoting two that nobody could misunderstand unless willfully. Jesus says, I am the Almighty. Jesus says, I am the, I am the great eternal one. Nobody need to have any doubts about the supreme deity of Jesus. Those two verses alone by themselves, no matter what else you fail to understand, should be enough to convince your heart. When you get to heaven, and then will you see, Mr. Totte? Will you see three? Will you see two? Or will you see one? If you're going to see three, then name them to us tonight. When I get to heaven, I expect to see one. Jesus only, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Supposing he's right and I'm wrong, and I make it to heaven, and I find there are three there, I know it's an absurdity. Still, I'll be able to say, Jesus, you said, I am the Almighty. Jesus, you said, before Abraham was, I am. Reverently, Jesus, can you blame me for only expecting to find you here? The Almighty and the I Am. Mr. Moderators, ladies and gentlemen, certainly a pleasure for me to come tonight to answer that question, that uh, conglomeration of a speech that you've just heard my worthy opponent make. If he isn't mixed up, I've never in my life seen a man mixed up. He's so mixed up that he thinks a man can be his own father. And yet he claims to be, have a direct revelation from God. What did he say about that revelation? Why, nothing. But I want, you to, I want you to adhere to his admonition in the last there. He said that in studying the Bible, to interpret obscure passages by plain, positive statements. Give me the chart, please, that says there are three that bear record in heaven. I want you to see that while he's talking about that. If that isn't a plain positive, turn out the lights, please. If that isn't a plain positive statement, I want somebody to tell me how you'd write one. There are three. Is that positive, Mr. McGee? There are three. Is that positive? That bear record in heaven. Is that positive? The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Is that positive? It even tells who they are. They're the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Now, if that isn't a positive statement, I don't know how to write one. And he said, start in helping him, please. Just laugh it out now and then be quiet. Let's have a big laugh. Just as soon as I get up, you begin to try to take, him, take care of him. Now, if you want to laugh, just go ahead. Clap your hands. Holler hallelujah, anything you want to. Just go right ahead. 
give you the time. Then when you finish, I'm going to talk. I don't mind hearing you laugh. I don't mind hearing you say amen. I don't care if you clap your hands till there are blisters in them. It doesn't intimidate me. Go ahead and say anything you want to. Laugh as long as you want to. Then when you get on laughing, look at that positive statement there on the board. Now interpret that, will you? Is that an obscure passage? Why, a three-year-old child can understand what that means? Certainly they can. There are three. Anybody knows what that means? That means one, two, three. Does it mean one? No. It means one, two, three. There are three that bear records in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. Will you let me have the lights now, please? I thank him for giving us that good information. That's really worth something. If you people are just adhere to that, you'll come out of the fog of all this uh, things that he's been talking. Now, he got that revelation. They did in 1914. I'm not misrepresenting. I have it in the book right over there. They said that the Pentecostal church started in 1900, 23 days in, in January the 23rd. It went on until 1914, and they believed that there were three in the Godhead. But in 1914, God sent them a direct revelation and told them that it wasn't so. Yes, Ellen G. White claims that too. Ellen G. White taught until 1846 that Sunday was the day to keep. But she said that God snatched her up and took her to heaven and showed her that that is wrong. She ought to keep Saturday. They say... They are taught under 1914 that they're three in the Godhead. But along the last few years ago, little David came along and claimed God snatched him up into heaven and kept him five hours and told him a whole big lot of stuff. Now, you ought to be ashamed trying to put stuff like that off on intelligent people. Why, we don't believe a word. Aren't you ashamed of it? Uh, Mr. Urshan there knows about little David, and I'm persuaded you do too. This thing wasn't done in a quarter. All of them knew about it. Mr. Potter knows about him, claimed he went to heaven, told all those unmitigated falsehoods, and put them off on the people. And they say that they got a direct revelation. Where's little David now? What happened to Huckster about little David? You people, you're not covering that stuff up with us. We know all about it. I was right there, associated. He had been in Huckster's home. I knew it. I knew what he was going to get into when he started off. You know about little David's home in Florida. You know about all that stuff. You may have been in Ireland then, but you ought to heard about it. Yes, now we know about those direct revelations. Let me tell you, my friends, anybody comes to you claiming God said so and so, if it isn't written in this Bible, don't you believe it. The Bible says to the law and to the testimony, if any man speaks otherwise, the Lord's word's not in him. Yeah, let's come back to the Bible. Quit talking about these direct revelations. They don't mean the snap of your finger. If you can't read it in God's word, God said that in us you might learn not to go beyond the things that are written. 1 Corinthians 6, 4 and 6. Don't go beyond the things that are written. Peter said, if any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. You take the Catholic avenue that God speaks to you separate and apart from his word. Shame on you, Mr. McGee. Not a word of truth in you. Now that's where they got all this. Now they come around and say, oh, just a casual reader can see that. Why didn't you folks read casually before 1914? Take your, side, uh, take your stand over the side of the Catholic priest. They claim the same thing you do. Now, you notice he didn't answer my questions. I asked him seven and he tried to answer three. He just completely flipped over the other. And when I asked him who was Christ praying to when he said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he didn't answer. He tried to make fun of it. Would, would you think one God's praying to another? That's not what I asked you. I asked you who. And you turned around and asked me who. I was asking that for you to answer. Then he comes up saying that I didn't answer. Before Abraham was, I am. Jesus there was talking about Abraham longed to see his day and he saw it not. 
Those Pharisees said, why, you're not yet 50 years old. Did you see Abraham? And Jesus said before Abraham was, I am. And he thinks that's the unget-overable question. Why, it's the same thing as John 1, when John said, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's what Jesus meant. He meant I was here before Abraham. And he thinks that's hard to answer. Well, I've gone over that over and over again. Just didn't quote that particular verse. But it's all answered in John, the first chapter. And if you think I've got anything to put over, I'll give you two minutes right now to answer that. If you want, I'm going to be fair about this thing. I'm not holding back anything. Come on up here. Now hold his time. Give him two minutes. And let him answer that. Why I didn't read the Bible casually before 1914. That's not Did the question. Did he expect me to read before I was born? If you weren't born in 1914, that hair got off your head mighty quick. <laughs> He lost that hair mighty quick, and somebody told me one time to never argue with a fella that his head so hard it won't grow hair. <laughs> now that wasn't what I gave you the time to answer. I gave you the time if you thought I was putting something over on you about not quoting the verse before Abraham was I am. And I was going to give you the time to show you I'm not putting anything over on anybody. I'm here for the truth. I'll let him ask me any question in the wide, wide world he wants to. Maybe I can't answer it, but I'm not afraid for him to ask it. You want to ask one? You want to ask one? Who that's, that's I am the Almighty. Of course he was the Almighty. He thinks because Jesus was the Almighty that Jesus had to be the only one. Jesus said, all power has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. He's got it all. That doesn't mean the Father doesn't have some too. I gave you the... Life again. Let's have another one while you're at it. Come on with another one. Clap your hands a little. Now let me illustrate that again. We go over here to the police headquarters. Uh, police tells one of the, the chief tells one of the policemen to go out and arrest the man. He says, what authority do I have? The chief of police says, you've got all the authority in the city of Martinsville. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean the chief resigned? He didn't have any? You know better than that. You're trying to put that over on these people. You're trying, that's like you're trying to put a little baby. You want to say something else? You know better than that. You know when he gives all the authority to a policeman to go out and all the fiery things to put into the chief doesn't sign. He hasn't put that thing in the Don't you know that? You better go back to Ireland. You haven't learned that much. Okay, yes, you can talk. Hold my time. Jesus did not say, I have all the power of the Almighty. Jesus said this, I am the Almighty. You better laugh now, you're going to need it. He said Jesus didn't say I have all the power of the Almighty. Jesus said I have all power in heaven and on earth. Was the Almighty in heaven? You break your neck every time you get up. You want to get up again? You want to get up again? Now, where is the Almighty? Jesus said, all power in heaven and on earth has been given unto me. Now, if that doesn't take in the Almighty, where, where do, would you go? He said he had it all. All where? All in heaven. Is that all? No, all on earth. I've got it all everywhere. Didn't you? He didn't say that? He didn't say that? Read Matthew 28, 18. Well, does it say what I said? Jesus said, I am the Almighty. Yes, he is the Almighty. Nobody denies that. It sounds like you are. Well, it sounds like it to you, but not to other people. 
Yes, sir. Now you see. And he said, then when he came to this one, to whom was he praying in the Garden of Gethsemane? He didn't answer that one. Came to this one. What was the spirit of which Jesus spoke in Luke 23, 46? And who was the father to whom Jesus commended his spirit? He left that one out. And then we got down, who raised him from the dead? And he went over to where... Days, he said, Jesus raised himself from the dead. And in 1 Peter 3, 18, there the Bible says, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the spirit, by the that's what Peter said about it. Well, he didn't answer the next one. What did Peter mean in Acts 2.33 when he said Jesus was by the right hand of God? He talked about going down somewhere and somebody said there's some invisible fish in that pool and he just ran over and tried to see. Now, I can understand that. I can imagine his doing that. Any man thinks a man can be his own father is apt to do that. We're not surprised, Mr. McGee. We're not surprised. Wouldn't have been surprised if you jumped in. And then he talked about Stevens at the right hand of God. He said, what does Toddy think he saw? It wasn't what Toddy thinks he saw. I asked you what did he see. And you wouldn't tell me. I'll just quote you the verse. Stephen said, and behold, the heavens were open, and I saw, S-A-W, and I saw the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. He said he didn't do it, but no man's ever seen the Lord. Now, that's the way he answered that. He flatly said Stephen didn't tell the truth. 